You're listening to another great message from Northside Community Church. Have you ever encountered someone who has just learnt karate? Uh, were you ever someone who has just learnt karate? Uh, here's what people have just learnt karate are like. They come home with uh, their white, funny, crazy suit and their white belt and uh, they feel really proud of themselves because they're learning karate or karate if you are in the know at the dojo. And, and so they're, they're, they know their karate and they say, oh, I know karate. And so often what they will say to you, I don't know if you're ever one of these teenagers or you know teenagers that are like this, I know karate, hey, try punch me in the face. And you say, all right. <laughs> and the bloodied nose everywhere and their heads flung backwards. And, and they say, oh, no, no, sorry, sorry, sorry. I wasn't ready. <laughs> I'm like, I thought you're supposed to know karate. Oh, can you do that? I'll do that again. Well, I wasn't ready. You see, their karate is useless. <laughs> and the reason is because they don't know karate. They know of karate. You know, it's useless because their karate is not a reflex to them. Now, what's this got to do with wisdom? Where we're at in this week three of this series is this is what it comes down to. It's, it's, it's enough to know what wisdom is. It's enough to know how to get it. But the real question is for most of us now is how the heck do I apply that to my life? How does this stuff begin to play itself out? And the reality and the tension that you and I face is that life doesn't afford you, the hits of life, they don't afford you a second chance. When life comes up and punches you in the face, you can't say to life, oh, I wasn't ready. Can you do that again? <laughs> what we want to get at, what we want to get at is, is this. I mean, have you ever been in those situations where, I don't know, you've said something, you've, 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 you've been with a friend and you've said something, you're driving home in the car and you're like, oh man, I wish I hadn't have said that. Or you've been at a meeting at work and you've known how it was going to go down and you've practiced how, you've rehearsed how you're going to be and you walk back to your desk and you go, that is not the way I wanted that to go down. Or you're out with a friend and you know they rub you up the wrong way and you know that, they're, uh, that, that that's just who they are and you love them regardless and you know what everyone else has been saying about them and something slips out of your mouth and you just, ah, oh, I just wish I... Anyone ever been in that situation? Is it just, is it just me? That is, thanks, Greg. <laughs> I've, I've had I've had one of those weeks. I've had that with a with a good friend where uh, where things just immediately went down. That I was like driving home in the car, and I'm like, God, I just that's not how I wanted that to go down. You see, I I had insight, I had the facts, I had the realities. But my buckets were all mixed up and it was, it was right decisions and it could have been right facts in totally the wrong time. And what you and I are realizing when we feel that is that wisdom to you and I, it's intellectual, it's not autonomic, to use the scientific term. An autonomic response is from the base of the spine. You don't think about it, it's a reflex. And that's what I say the challenge for you and I is that when we regret these situations, it's because our wisdom is not a reflex, Right? It's not autonomic, it's intellectual. We know of karate, but we don't know karate. And so what we want to get at tonight is that, that God's desire is that you become the sort of person where wisdom naturally flows from who you are. 
that it's a reflex, particularly after you do enough time in the Jesus dojo. How does that happen? You need to look at the source of wisdom, and the source of wisdom, as we'll see from the word tonight, is character. So appropriate for a lot of the crew here tonight at our age, young adults, 18s to 35s. This is, this is dojo season. This is character building season. This is the season of life that it's all about. But at the other end of the spectrum, if you're a bit older, I, I don't know, I get that sense that when you're a bit older, one of the great challenges you have is that you sign off on character. You think, I've done my time, I'm formed, I'm 50-something years old, I've done the time, this is who I am, man. Uh, But the great promise of the word tonight is that you can continue to form and shape your character, whether you're 18 or 88. And so here's where we'll go tonight. We'll look at the challenge of character, the the path to character, and the process of character. That's sort of where we're going in the summary. But here's the first thing. We're going to look at what character is. Here's what character is. What is character? Character. As a kid, my folks always used to say to me that I was never allowed to say this particular really, really, really rude word. Uh, It was called shut up. And shut up, I was not allowed to say shut up. We're all family here, right? So it's all good. The doors are closed and we had kids in the service this morning. I forgot it was holiday program. So talk about wisdom. (laughs) Got that in the right bucket, Sam. Um, Anyway, so the rudest word I ever knew was shut up. I was never allowed to say shut up. It was such a rude word. So anyway, here's, here's, what, I, here's what I did. I was not allowed to say shut up. So one day I went out into the backyard and I tried to get into the furthest corner of our property at home away from where mum and dad would be up in the house. And I got right down next to a tree fern in the backyard and I just looked around to see if they were there and then I said under my breath, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. <laughs> Character is who you are when no one is watching. That's what character is. Character is who you are when no one is watching. And we laugh because we go, oh, how childish. How childish. We would never be like that. Oh, really? Yeah, we, we, go to, we go to team meetings and we, we say that we're a team member and then we run out to the back corner of the garden and, and, and we, we whisper and we whisper and we shut up, shut up, shut up. And we, we, have, we have friendships where, oh, hey, sweetie, hun, you're gorgeous, you're great, you're fantastic, I love you, oh, you're just, oh, you're so sweet. And then we run to the back corner of the garden and there's chitter and there's chatter. Character is who you are when no one's watching. And isn't it funny? Because we live in a world where your brand, if you want to put it that way, your brand to the world, your representation to the world is your personality, not your character. The world has got this stuff upside down. The world says your brand is your personality. Oh, what's that person like? Oh, they're dynamic. They're out there. They're charming, right? We, we never look at char- Guys, what if we could switch this upside down where who you are known for is not by the, the peace that everyone sees all the time, but who you are known for is the person uh, who you are when no one is watching. That's what character is. Now, here's the problem, and I'm hoping you might be able to, to, see, to see the problem tonight. Here's the problem. If we dare to do the steps of wisdom that we talked about last night, uh, last week, sorry, if we dare to do the steps of wisdom, and that is to get a grasp on who God is, but more importantly on who you, you are. And we said if we dare to do those steps in wisdom, that, that to grasp who you are is, is a ruthless self-examination of who you are. If we dare to do that, then we will come to realize that we think we know wisdom karate, but we don't. 
that we're white belts when it comes to wisdom, that there are things that happen in life that, that we weren't ready for at all. That's the challenge of character, no matter how old you are, is, is, that, is that there is a gap there between where we are when no one sees us and who God is calling us to be in the likeness of his son. Now, there's even a deeper problem. Wow, this is great news tonight. Uh, this is even a deeper problem beneath this, and, and it is this, that that the reason it's such a problem is that character, I put it, character is the seat of wisdom. Character is the seat of wisdom. Here's what I mean. Uh, a knee, a knee, a knee is the seat of the femur and the tibia, right? All those who are doctors here, yes, they're going, of course, yes, he's got his anatomy correct. Uh, th- a knee is the seat of your thigh bone and your leg bone. And, and to be seated in your knee is such an important thing. If you want to walk, if you want to take the biggest muscle of your entire leg, and if you want to walk, then it has to be seated in the knee because when the bones are seated in the knee, then there's alignment. And when there's alignment, there's consistency. And when there's that consistency, there's power. You see, imagine when you, some people know, when your knees are not working, when the arthritis is kicking in, when that seat is, is starting to fail on you, man, life becomes difficult and tough. And so what I'm saying here is in, in light of previous weeks, that if wisdom is insight, and if wisdom is being able to apply those insights into the various buckets, then unless that stuff is seated in something that is firm and strong, right, then you're going to be making decisions that are all over the place. You'll make, you'll make a good decision here and a bad decision there and a good decision in this area of life and a bad decision in that. You get what I'm saying? You've got to, you've got to be seated in something. And that is the challenge for us when we're in, in our young adulthood and we're going through uni because we're trying to form this thing. You know, is, am I seated in university or am I seated in my personality or am I seated in my identity or am I seated in what I wear and, and what the Bible is saying? No, it never talks about personality. It talks about character. How are you forming your character? And this, that's the question I've got to get you to ask yourself tonight. Let me front load this. Because some of you hopefully are saying, okay, all right, I get this, I need this. You need to ask yourself, what sort of person am I becoming long term by virtue of my small decisions? Okay? What sort of person am I becoming long term by virtue of my small decision? Here's why. Here's why the first thing we learn tonight is that your character is determined not by the big events in life, but by the small stuff. Remember last week, the mini decisions, the micro decisions, the tiny decisions, the little bits and pieces. You see, if someone says, give an account of your life, give a biography of your life, what do we say? We talk about the big events. I was born here. I went to school here. I went to university there. I worked here. I did this. I did that. But the Bible never talks like that. We've, We've learned that. Proverbs, wisdom literature, talks about life as a path. It's left, right, left, right, left, right. So the Bible never talks about your development of your character in terms of the big things, the small stuff. And that's where we get to verse 14. It says, Do not set foot on the path of the wicked or walk in the ways of evil men. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn from it and go your own way. So what verse 14 is saying here is, that the Bible says you have choices. You are the one that is in control of developing your character. So if character is significant to have, you're the one who's in control of developing that character. It's saying that, yes, wisdom is a path, but there are forks in the road all the way down the path. And it means on one hand, there you can take the fork down the bad road in the path, or you can take the fork down the good road in the path. 
as I'm starting to sound a bit like Santa Claus is coming to town, isn't it? You better watch out, you better not cry, you better be good, I'm telling you why Santa Claus is coming to town. Is it too early for that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. <laughs> you better be good, I'm telling you why. Santa, it's, it's, that's not what it's getting at. Here's what it's, here's what it's getting at. Verse 14. What it's saying is character lies beneath the surface of your experiences. That's where you find what your character is. It lies beneath the surface of your experiences. And so when you come to these forks in the road in life, every choice that you make is an opportunity to do one of two things. You can either distort your character or you can deepen it. Same experience. You can either distort your character or you can deepen it. And, and by the way, if you begin to distort it, that's then, this is the pattern that Proverbs is painting for us in here, chapter 4. If you distort it, then you end up down in verse 16 where it says, if you keep walking down the bad path, it says, for they cannot sleep till they do evil. They are robbed of slumber till they make someone fall. They eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. What It's not saying, oh, there's these sorts of people in the world. It's trying to make the linkage that if you start walking these wrong paths, these wrong micro decisions, that is the result. Verse 16 is the result of, of, of taking those choices. Think about it. Uh, Ivan Milat. Many of us know his name in Australia. He was the backpacker murderer. And when, when people study the guy or think about the guy, I know when I was thinking about the guy, people will often ask the question, particularly when you see people like that, and I don't know if you ever do it, but I think, what was their childhood like? What, what happened to this guy? It's almost common sense in us, isn't it? That we think, what happened, to this, what happened to this guy? And it's so hard to piece it together. The psychologists say it's really difficult because all the family have lived in this little enclave around there. But one thing they do know is that at age 17, he was fascinated with guns. He'd been always in trouble with the police. He'd had an obsession with violent behavior since he was a young kid. And so what I'm getting at is that this guy didn't wake up one day and think, I want to go out and murder some backpackers. The murder didn't happen overnight. What happened? Lots of tiny micro decisions. Lots of tiny distortions because of life's distortions of his character that led him to that point. Now, yes, look, allowing for the psychology that the poor guys probably had, uh, you know, a, a, a twisted upbringing. The principle is this. You and I instinctively know that the big things in life, the big decisions in life just don't happen. That we are a result of our micro decisions. And so that means every time, practically, because some of you are thinking, oh, that's a long, long bow to draw. You know, Ivan Malat, you've been a bit dramatic. <laughs> but it means, look, every, every time something good happens to you and you take it for granted, then you, you're heading down the path. It means that every time there is a conflict and instead of maybe admitting that you're the wrong one that could be wrong and you're always trying to shift the blame you're beginning to walk down the path. It means that every time there is a decision based not on the interests and the love of the other person, but your own self-interest, you're walking down the path. And Proverbs says it starts with the small decisions. Now, conversely and positively, it's saying every time you, you get to a point in life and you make that decision, as much as it hurts you on the inside to bless and not curse, then you're, then you're on the positive path. That every time that you humbly refrain instead of attacking, you are on the path. So here's what I'm saying. It's the little decisions. It's the micro decisions that develop your character. 
Hmm. But there's a big but in all of this. Um, You can't change your character just by trying. So it's really weird. On one hand, we're saying, oh, you can change your character, verse 14. You can begin to make these steps to develop your character. But then the other one is you can't just change your character by trying. And for example, if I wanted to go and play Beethoven's Sonata on the piano, by the way, wisdom, insight, I learned this morning, I said Beethoven's fifth this morning, and Michael Thomas pipes up and goes, oh, by the way, that's a symphony, can't play it on the piano. (laughs) I played a sonata. (laughs) Wisdom. If I just went to try and, and play one of Beethoven's sonata on the piano, um, it would end up a jumbled mess. It's why I'm not allowed near the keys. It's why he flinches when I get near the keys. It, it would end up a jumbled mess. And no matter how much I tried, it, it would still be a jumbled mess. I mean, like, how crazy is that quote that you've heard people say? You know, if at first you don't succeed, then what? Try again. How stupid is that? <laughs> I'm sure the, you know, the, the Challenger rocket went up in 1986 or whatever it was and the thing explodes into pieces. You go, oh, well, that didn't work. We'll just try again. No, no here's the difference. You don't try again. You, you find out what, what you need to be doing in order to make this work. And then you start doing that. And so I could keep smashing on those keys all I want. I could keep trying and trying. That's never going to produce in me the sort of person that is a wonderful virtuoso that is our worship pastor down there. Stanata. <laughs> now, what's this got to do with our character? Um, it's why Augustine, the great theologian, said the key to change is not the actions of the will, but it's the loves of the heart. The key to change comes not from the acts of the will, but from the loves of the heart. What's that about? It's verse 23. It speaks into what he's saying there. Verse 23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for here's the key verse in all of Proverbs 4, for it is the wellspring of life. Not a pool. It's not the pool of life. It's a wellspring, that imagery. If you've ever seen a wellspring, and the water just keeps coming up. from the, It keeps coming up out of nowhere. The wellspring keeps coming up. It comes forth from the inside. Now, notice the imagery. It's a wellspring, not a pool. It means, it means all of good change comes out of the heart, the very center of who you are. Now, why this is important is because the Greek way of thinking, which influenced so much of the Bible and so much of the culture there, is that the, the Greek way of thinking is it's what we call dualistic. It says you're broken into a body and soul. You, you, you're you're broken into matter and spirituality. And what, what it meant is it gave rise to a sort of thinking that says, well, there's the spiritual stuff and then there's the rational stuff. And so what happens, what emerges in our culture even today is that we think, well, the key to change is strategy. You know, I need to, I need to, change, I need to change the organization. So therefore, it's not, it's not a heart-related issue. It's a structural issue. It, it, it's, it's strategic stuff. And the, the Bible is so totally different. And the Bible says, no, 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 this is, this is more complex. It's more nuanced than that. It, this is a heart-related issue. You, you have to work this out. You have to process this out. It's why you know, I've heard that saying. People say, um, you can only ever trust a leader with a limp. Because lead, leaders with limp, people with limps, they're, they're the ones who have they've been hit by life. They've copped a few knocks to the face. 
Uh, they're the ones who have had to wrestle with all of this. And they realize that the Bible says the key to change is not strategic and it's not just rational. But it's something deeper than that. It says out of the heart comes everything. That out of the heart, that it's at the very center of the human soul, this wellspring within, which by the way for the Christian is the power of the Holy Spirit, the revelation from the God, the way that he takes his word and it, it flows out of us and it goes through the will and through our thoughts and through our emotions and through our bodies and through our social interactions. And that's what causes us to be the sorts of people of character. You with me? And so that is that the change doesn't happen just by trying. But character change comes not from external conformity, but from inner transformation. Not from trying to do the outside stuff, but from within, the wellspring. And so I've said it before, one of the, there are two ways to, to change or shape metal. You can either try and take that metal bar and break it over your knee, <laughs> or you can melt it. One way is the easy way, one way is the hard way. And here's what I'm getting at. If you want to no longer be the sort of person who runs to the back corner of the garden and says, shut up, shut up, shut up, shut up. (laughs) If you no longer want to be that sort of person that is regretting, man, did I say that? Did I do this? Um, here's, Here's the worst thing that you could do tonight, right? The worst thing you could do if you get anything tonight. The worst thing you could do is you could go, oh, yeah, Sam said that well, we, we need to be good. The Bible says that we need to be good. And so therefore, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to try and not say shut up, shut up, shut up anymore. You know, that, that's external conformity. And you know, what, you know what that is? That's treating Jesus Christ like Santa Claus, right? It's, it's oh, yeah, he's going to come to town one day, you know? So you, that's, that's Christianity like Santa Claus has come. So be good for, for goodness sake. And I'm saying don't be good for goodness sake. Be good for God's sake. If you want to be the sort of person whose wisdom is seated in character, then don't try and play Beethoven's sonata. Don't start by saying, oh, yep, okay, this week I'm going to try to start being noble. I'm going to try to start being humble. And I'm going to try and start being righteous. Begin with the scales. Begin to do, and that's what it's all about. We talked last week, disciplines. You engage in the things that you can do now in order to do the things you presently can't do now. I can't play Beethoven's Sonata, but I can play the C scale. Dun, 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 dun. And we, we grind through and we practice. What are scales? They're the micro decisions. You are going to have so many wonderful, awesome opportunities to make micro decisions this week. Isn't that fantastic? You're going to have so many great experiences of bosses who are going to get in your, in your face. You're going to, people are going to get in your face of, of opportunities to totally stuff it up. And, and you... Characters beneath the surface of experiences. That is all ahead of you. And oh, the problem is tonight, isn't it? Proverbs has us wedged. It's got us wedged. It's got us in a pickle because on one hand, it's saying, yep, you're in control of your character this week and how it develops. And not, but on the other hand, it's saying, it's not going to happen just by trying. <laughs> We're stuck in the middle here. Which way is it? And as I finish tonight, here's how it happens. You need to fall in love. Now, that sounds a bit silly and soppy on a Sunday night. How the heck's that going to work? Look, here's the thing. What Augustine was getting at is that our problem is not by lack of trying in order to develop our character. He said our problem with developing character is disordered loves. 
that the, the challenge is we go into the world and in this lens and you can take something like money and if money is, which is a good thing by the way, and it's elevated to become an ultimate thing, if money becomes your ultimate love in life, then is it fair to say, guys, common sense says you're going to make some pretty unwise decisions. If all of that is what rules you, the problem is if we've got disordered loves. If family is the most important thing to you, if family is elevated to a position above God, if family is the ultimate love, then the reality is you're going to make some unwise decisions. Only when you reorder your loves and you fall in love with God and you put him to his right place in where he should be in your life, only from there, out of the heart, will flow the sorts of wise decisions you need. And how do you fall in love with him? You just see the scene at the cross. You see this scene on a hill outside of modern-day Palestine and the guy's hanging from the cross and he's in the middle of this, this tortured, ugly, disgusting scene. And what comes out of his mouth? He says, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. My question for you tonight is, do you think that was an easy or a hard thing for Jesus to say? Because for me, I, I would be like this. If, if I was up there, and I don't want to trivialize it, but if I was up there, up there and I was in the middle of that, I'd be thinking, wait until my dad gets here. Wait until my dad gets you by the collar. He's going to open a can of whoop-ass on you so big he's going to send you straight to hell or you mocking soldiers and he's going to tear this joint up, man. (laughs) He's coming for you. (laughs) But the principle of this, you know, it's the flow flow out of the heart, right? Out of the heart is the flow. And so what it means for you and I is if anger is present, then, then when life comes in and squeezes you like a sponge, anger's going to flow. If bitterness is present, when life squeezes you, bitterness is going to flow. If resentment is present, resentment's going to flow. You see where I'm going? That Dallas Willard says, for him to say, Father, forgive them, that was actually the easiest thing for Jesus Christ to say. Not because he was being spiritual or pious or righteous and because he was the son of God and that's what it was po- uh, that was a poetic thing to say at the cross. No, it's because that flowed from who he was. Forgiveness just oozed out of him and when he got crushed on the cross, when, when, when the cross came down in and crushed him like a sponge, they squeezed him until he was almost done and what flowed out of him? Forgiveness. Man, oh man. I don't know about you, but I want a character like that in life. I want to come up against life this week. I want life to squeeze me like a sponge and I want that to be flowing. It's possible. It's possible to have his character flow forth because the great news for you tonight is that is God's dream. That is God's vision for you. Romans 8 says the whole plan of, of, of God sending his son is that we might be conformed into his likeness. That, that in this process of getting delivered the mail of wisdom and meditating on his word and all this process, we would become the sort of people where the character and deeds of Jesus would naturally flow from who we are. And man, can you imagine a church like that? Can you imagine Christianity like that? I mean, guys, is it just me or is that what the world needs now from Christians? You know what the, you know what the world does not need? The world does not need Santa Claus is coming to town type Christians. Oh, you better watch out. You better be good for goodness sake. No, 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 no. Be good for God's sake. Fall in love with him because there, tonight, guys, whether you're a Christian or a non-Christian, there's an easy way and a hard way to do it. 
Yeah, external conformity. You can take that bar that is the word and the deeds and the character of Jesus Christ and you can try and change yourself into that and you can try and break that over your knee and you can try and shape that and it's only going to break you. What you need tonight is you need to be melted. You know, when you shape metal, you, you, you melt it down. You need to be placed into the fire that forged you. You need to see God for who he is, the great consuming fire. And you need to take your heart into that. And you need to see what he's done for you on the cross. And you need to get melted into that. And, and, and you need to, by faith, be poured into the cast that is the life of Jesus Christ. And guess what? When you do that, you will be seated. You will have a character. That when life comes in and throws a swing at you, <laughs> blocked it. <laughs> you, you'll, have a, you'll have a black belt character. You'll be ready for the hits of life, guys. So that is the great promise tonight. But the challenge now lies with you. It's entirely possible. It's entirely possible. You're in control of the micro decisions. But it won't happen just through external conformity. You need to be melted until you become the sort of person where his character naturally flows from who you are. I've got to leave it with you. Let's pray.